Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. If you forgot your Bible, there should be one in the seat in front of where you're sitting. It's a black hardbound book. Take that out. Page 982 is Philippians 4. We've been working through the whole book of Philippians over the last few months. We're winding this down. We've got this week and then next. And I pray you've been challenged by this sermon series. I pray you've been convicted by it. Uh, I've challenged you each week to read through this book. I hope you've done that. So let me just say a couple of things. If you're the person that has done a pretty good job during this sermon series of reading through this book and you've kind of started some habits about spending more time in God's word, please don't let those habits fall away. Please don't stop doing that. You can continue to read. You can go on to Colossians. You can continue through the New Testament. You could read the book of John, another one of the letters of Paul. There are all sorts of things you can read, but I want to encourage you to continue that habit of regularly being in the Word of God. If you're on the other side of that, you say, man, I've heard you every week. I get it. I think it's important to be in the Word of God. I'm just not very much uh, in there. I don't spend a lot of time reading. I don't have a lot of time to do that. I need to do a better job. It's never too late. It's never too late for you to start. So if you say, I've never really done that. I've never spent a lot of time in God's Word. Then let this be the week. Start reading Philippians or Colossians or Ephesians or wherever the Lord leads you. But spend time in God's Word because I believe with all my heart it's foundational in our lives. I believe it's absolute truth. And listen, listen now. I believe it's the antidote against sin and the things of the world. You need to spend time in God's word. It'll get in your heart. It'll get in your life. It'll get in your mind. You'll be amazed at how the Lord uses it. Now, we've been walking through Philippians, and last week we were in Philippians chapter 4, the first few verses. I want to read those again because they really kind of lead us in. Remember, this book builds on itself. These are not just individual passages we just pluck randomly to talk about. There's a process. There are themes that run throughout this book. And so I want to read for you Philippians 4, beginning in verse 4, to kind of set the foundation and the tone for where we're going to go this morning. So Philippians 4, 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Remember, Paul's writing from prison, right? Paul has been through a lot of difficult times, and yet in the midst of those struggles, Paul says, rejoice not sometimes, not just when things are good, not just when everybody's happy. Rejoice always, right? And again, I will say, just in case you didn't get it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Watch. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I had a conversation this week with somebody about the peace of God. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing how when we pray and seek the Lord and trust him that the peace of God kind of washes over us in ways that we don't fully understand. And so we talked last week about that peace in joy, in prayer, and seeking the things of the Lord, right? So it's in that idea of seeking the Lord, of finding that peace, of rejoicing. We jump right in now to verse 4, Philippians, excuse me, verse 10, Philippians chapter 4, 
verse 10. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, right? There it is again, that now at length you have received your, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no, no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What a, what a fantastic passage of scripture. Uh, what a clear picture of Paul's life, right? The big picture for him is, listen, I've been through a lot of stuff. I've been through a lot of struggles. I've been through a lot of pain, yet in the midst of that, I'm able to find contentment, not in the things of the world, but in the things of Christ. And so I'm speaking to you this morning, maybe you're here or you're at home. It doesn't really matter the circumstances of life. It doesn't matter what you're going through now or what you've been through. You need to hold to this truth, and we're going to see it this morning, work through this text together. You need to hold to this truth that there is peace and there is hope in Christ, no matter what you're going through. No matter where you've been, no matter what struggles you have, Paul says, it doesn't matter what I've seen and struggled with, I find my hope and my peace in Christ. And he talks about this idea of contentment, right? Finding contentment in Jesus. So I, I want to think this morning about finding true contentment in Christ. And so we're going to draw out some truth. We're going to see if we can illustrate and understand those and figure out now how to apply this truth to your life. Truth number one, Paul says, contentment is a process. Contentment is a process. Listen, if you think you're going to wake up one morning and you're going to be content, or if you think there's just a light switch that you flip and everything's going to be good, that's not what Paul's teaching here. Paul wants us to understand this is a process. And I want you to see this. Look at verse 11. I want you to notice the word that Paul actually uses here. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, right? The church at Philippi loved Paul. They sent him a gift to help him in his ministry. They revived their concern for him. But verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have, what's the next word there? Learned. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul says, listen, this is a process. Right? It doesn't happen magically. You don't get it by osmosis. There's a process where we learn to be content in the Lord. Charles Spurgeon, who's a famous pastor in, in England, said one of the, talking about contentment, he said it's one of the rarest but the most desirable accomplishments. Right? You say contentment is a good thing, but why is it so difficult? Here's why it's so difficult. Because we're surrounded by a world, now listen, who wants us to think the stuff we have isn't good enough. Let me say that again. We live in a world, we're surrounded by a world that wants us to think that the stuff we have isn't good enough. Here's how I know that. Because last year alone, Last year alone, it's estimated that advertisers in America spent $275 billion, with a B, dollars, trying to convince you that that car you drive isn't good enough. Trying to convince you that that hair product you use isn't making your hair shiny enough, ladies. Trying to convince you guys that the razor you have with three blades really needs four. <laughs> 
Right? We, we live in a world where they want you to see the stuff you have is not good enough. And so we need you to give us just a little bit more money so you can have a little bit more stuff, nicer stuff, newer stuff, whatever the case may be. And then when you have that, you're going to look just like the people do on the commercials, right? You're going to be good looking and tan and muscular and whatever you think somebody will look. That's what they look like, right? Those are the people they put in the commercials. They don't put people, people like me in commercials because you wouldn't buy the products, Right? They want us to get this mindset that if we'll spend the money for this stuff, if we'll spend the money to buy these things, then and only then we'll get true contentment. Paul says, listen, wake up church, wake up believer. It's not about the stuff you're surrounded with. It's about Jesus. And if you think you're going to find contentment in the things of the world, I promise one day you're going to be disappointed. I found this list of things that we're discontented with, and it's, it's an interesting list, and I'm going to go ahead and warn you, it's going to step on some of your toes, okay? You're going to be upset about something in this list. So apologies in advance, but it spoke to me. I'm going to read it to you. Here's what it says. You may be discontent with living your life under the radar, and therefore you crave popularity. You may be discontent with being rejected by others, and therefore work hard now to do whatever it takes to keep your friends, even if it means displeasing God. You may be discontent with being a servant to others and consequently desire the power of a high position so that you may one day be the big boss. You may be discontent with how God made you and therefore long to have someone else's body type, someone else's hair, someone else's nose. You may be discontent with your job. Therefore, always have an eye out that's wandering, looking out for something better. You may be discontent with the discreet service to God and therefore find ways to toot your own horn to make others appreciate you more. Right on and on the list goes. We could probably go around the room and every one of us could talk about this idea of contentment versus discontentment. So how can we be content? How do we find contentment in the things of the Lord? I'm going to give you a few just kind of practical things we can understand, but we're working toward this process of understanding. Listen, contentment is a learned experience. It's a process for us. There are things we should be doing on a regular basis to deepen our walk with Christ, to deepen our love for his word, to walk with him and everything, right? As we do those things, as we learn that more and more, we become less and less worried about the things of the world, more and more content with the things of Christ. So here's some things you can remember, some practical things you can do. Remember this, God created you just the way you are and he loves you just the way you are. And I have teenagers in my house. I have three teenage daughters, right? And you can pray for me if you have not, right? Because, whoo, three teenage, teenage daughters. I told my wife when, we were, when they were real little, I was going to build a, a tree house out in the woods, way up in the tree. And if it ever got really bad, I was just going to go hide out in that tree house for a few days, right? And those of you with daughters understand that sons too, kids can be difficult, Right? They can be really difficult, but having daughters especially, I understand that the world out there wants them to think they're not pretty enough, right? We understand this. There's a certain way they ought to look. Their hair ought to look a certain way, the clothes they... I get that. I've, I've lived that experience for years and years with my daughters. I understand that, but we need to be reminded God created us just the way we are, right? You are created in the image of God. You are an image bearer. You understand that? God thought enough of you to create you the way you are, and you need to find joy in that. 
you, you need to find contentment in that. That doesn't mean we, wanna, we don't want to make ourselves better if we can and, and, and try to make our bodies healthy. Now, I get all that, man, but we need to understand. Listen, God created us like this. We need to find contentment in who we are. We need to recognize that everything we have is a gift from God to be used for his glory. What if we started seeing all of our possessions, all the things that we think bring us joy and contentment? What if we begin to see those things as ways we can share the gospel, right? Or make the good news known to people or demonstrate the glory of Christ? What if we begin to see our influence as a way to live for Christ? What if we begin to see the way we interact with our employees as opportunities to display the glory of God, to display contentment? It'd be amazing how the Lord would use us in that context. We need to give more of ourselves. You know, one, one of the ways you can kind of uh, set yourself and your own desires aside is by giving to others, sacrificing for others. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 10 says this. I want you to listen, beginning in verse 10. If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then... Your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That's a beautiful verse. You know, if we'll love others, if we'll be compassionate, if we'll give to others, the Lord will bless us and we'll begin to find contentment, not in the things of the world, but in the things of Christ. Another thing you can do, and probably the most important, is just to trust the Lord more. Trust the Lord more in the small things. Trust the Lord more in the big things. Understand that it's a process. We have to learn. So we're, we're fighting through this idea of discontentment. We're actively fighting through in our minds, focusing back on the things of the Lord, thinking more about his word, spending time praying, setting our eyes not on the things of the world. This is an active process. You have to work through this. It doesn't happen naturally, but I'm going to actively turn my thoughts back to the Lord. I'm going to actively turn off my phone and set open my Bible. I'm going to actively have these conversations with people that honor the Lord. Right? We're working through, fighting through all in the strength of the Lord to trust him more, to live for him more, to find contentment in him. Now, I want you to notice what Paul says here again in verse 11. Look at verse 10 again. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now, verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned, there's the process, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, right? So contentment is, first of all, a process. He had to learn it. But here's the second truth. Contentment is possible in every circumstance. Contentment is possible in every circumstance. And I think some of you need to be reminded of that. Because it's very easy to kind of see our world and to see our struggles, and to see our situations, and think, man, there is no way I can find joy in this. Adam, if you just knew uh, the physical struggle I'm having, if you just knew the pain I'm in, or the situation I'm having with my health, you'd understand it's very hard to find contentment. I get it. You say, Adam, if you just know the marriage situation I'm in with my spouse, how difficult this is, how painful this is for me emotionally, if you just understood the situation, I get it. If you said, if you, you may say, Adam, you just don't understand the situation. I'm in at work with my boss or this employee, and it's incredibly difficult. I, I dread going to work. I, I get that. But I also get what the scripture teaches. 
Paul says he's learned to be content in every situation. And we need to take that to heart, right? This is one of those moments. This is one of those moments where we take truth from the Bible as real and accurate and foundational, right? We take this truth. It may not feel this way to us, but this is what the Bible teaches, that we can, in fact, find contentment regardless of the situation. It may not be what your heart thinks, right? You may not be there yet in the way you feel, but you understand, listen, this is truth, and so I'm, I'm moving in this direction. It's a process for me. I'm finding more and more contentment in the things of the Lord, more and more every day, a little at a time until I get to this place that even in this difficult situation, I can find contentment. Because Paul's kind of been there, done that. And that comes out in verse 12, right? He talks about being brought low. He's talking about abounding. He says, I know the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul wants us to understand, listen, it doesn't matter the circumstances. You can always find contentment and joy and hope in the things of the Lord. You know, I've, I've preached to my kids really their whole life, and I still do it today. It's along these same lines, but I talk to them about their attitude. Right, and, and, and they're not in this service, so I can be pretty honest with you because they're not sitting here, right? But attitude with sometimes teenagers ain't great. Amen? We'll just leave it at that because i got to go home here in a little while, right? Not always great, but I've always preached them about their attitude. And listen, it doesn't matter the circumstance, the situation. If you've got a good attitude, you can find joy. You can find contentment cleaning toilets if you will find the right attitude, right? And I've always taught that and truly really tried to pray. And I know a lot of you have too. But I think about this idea of contentment in every circumstance. And I'm reminded of Paul and Silas, right? Paul wrote Philippians. But Paul had struggles throughout his life. And, and Acts chapter 16 tells this interesting story. You don't have to look it up, but I want you to listen. Paul and Silas have been pr- proclaiming Christ, preaching the gospel. They would had a run-in with some of the local leaders. They'd been thrown in jail, right? Now, I wouldn't be very happy. They threw me in jail. They'd falsely accuse me. I wouldn't be very happy. I want you to listen to what Paul and Silas do. Acts chapter 15, beginning of verse 25. About midnight, right? So they're up. They're awake. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And that's a whole sermon right there. Isn't it? There's this attitude in here of praise, this idea of trusting the Lord, this idea of singing and being joyful, even in the most miserable conditions you can imagine. Like prison in the first century in Rome uh, probably wasn't like it is now, probably a lot worse then. And yet in this moment, Paul and Silas find this ability to find joy and contentment. Why? Because their hope rests in the Lord, not in the things of the world. And then the second part of that verse is pretty incredible. It says that they gave uh, these songs and they're singing and praising. And it says the prisoners were listening to them. Right? Wouldn't it be cool if your contentment in the Lord was so obvious that other people around you noticed it? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if you went to work tomorrow and that person that you deal with that's always a struggle or a headache or maybe it's your boss or a coworker or employee, whatever the case may be, there's always a struggle and you just know that you haven't always handled it well. <laughs> right? The flesh has come out, man, it felt good when you did it, but 10 minutes later you wished you hadn't. Right? We all know those situations. Like imagine if you handled that with grace tomorrow and contentment in the Lord. Imagine how those people would notice. Man, can you believe that? You see how this guy handled this situation? You hear what he said? He was calm. I've never seen him act like that. Right? Imagine if we were content and at peace 
and hope and trusted the Lord and understood, man, the Lord may be dealing with this person too. One of the things I've learned in ministry is the problem is not always the problem, right? You see people and the, the superficial stuff going on, there's usually something under the surface. I promise you, there's usually something under the surface going on that you don't even know about. So when you're at work tomorrow and that person's agitated, angry, mad, there may be something going on you're unaware of, right? You need the grace of the Lord to find contentment in Christ to treat that person with joy. I'm going to find joy even in difficult circumstances. I'm going to praise the Lord. And as Acts 16 says, when I do that, other people are going to listen. Right? It begins to change not only our hearts, but it changes the people around us as we trust in the Lord. I want you to notice what he says in verse 12 because I like it. Pull verse 12 up. Right? There's, a, there's a process for us. We're learning to be content. We're fighting through, working through by the grace of God in our lives, figuring out how to be more content in the Lord through prayer and study. When we do that, we're learning that we can find contentment in not just a few things of life, but in everything. And then Paul says something interesting. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the, what's the word? The secret of facing plenty and hunger. We like secrets, don't we? Man, if I told you, if I came up to you for church, I was like, listen. I don't need you to tell anybody, but as soon as the service is over, I need you to come down front. I got to tell you something really, really important. Nobody else knows. You got to come down front. Man, you'd be shoving people out of the way to get down front, wouldn't you? You may come down here and even praise. You can be closer to the front right when the service is over. Just Just so you can hear the secret because we like secrets. Kids like secrets. Adults like secrets. Here's the funny thing about Paul. He tells us he's got this secret. And then in the very next verse, he gives us what the secret is. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's the third truth. Contentment can only be found through Christ. That's the secret. Contentment can only be found through Christ. And I, I wish I could just kind of grab you and shake you a little bit and say to you, listen, the contentment you're seeking after in the world is never going to be found the contentment you're seeking after in, in things or people, possessions, influence. Those things are going to bring you maybe a little contentment and, and a little short-lived joy. But the true secret of life is finding contentment in the things of Christ. And the quicker we understand that, the quicker we get to that point, the more the Lord is going to bless us. You know, I feel like in this situation, I need to just kind of say something, just kind of step out here just for a second uh, and, and help you maybe see something you don't see because a lot of people deal with this. A lot of people think they're going to find contentment in another person. Right, and so you may, maybe you need to kind of hear me just for a second here. Maybe you think you're going to find contentment in that person you're dating or you're going to find contentment in that person you're engaged to or maybe you think you're going to find contentment in your marriage. And let me be very clear, there's great joy in marriage great joy in marriage if Christ is at the center. But if you think that person is going to bring you the joy or the contentment that you ultimately need, you're mistaken. And so here's what happens, right? A lot of relationships begin because everything's kind of really good and everybody's happy. And then they get to this point where they kind of fall out of love or something changes and they don't find the happiness and the joy in that person they used to find. And they're not quite sure what happened and they're not sure where it kind of went off the rails. I have these conversations regularly with people, okay? You need to understand this is what happens. And I'm just telling you, I'm going to give you a little clue here and I hope I don't uh, insult you too badly but if you can't find contentment with that other person, maybe you need to back up a step and figure out what's going on with you. Okay, because a lot of times contentment starts in your own heart. 
And if you're struggling in a relationship, if you're struggling in your marriage, I would encourage you strongly start with your walk with Christ. I promise you, you're not going to be disappointed. You're not going to be disappointed. You start struggling, you start trusting, you start hearing from the Lord, spending time in prayer, seeking him as you grow more and more. I think you'll be amazed at how your marriage will change. We used to draw the little triangle, and maybe you've seen it before. So imagine a triangle here, right? And at the bottom two portions are the husband and wife down here. God is at the top of the triangle, right? And so as the husband and wife move up the triangle, the closer they get to God, the closer they get to each other. Have y'all seen that before? It's kind of a cheesy, silly little diagram, but man, it's true. It's absolutely true. If you in your marriage begin to find more and more contentment in the Lord, I promise you, you're going to find more and more contentment in each other. I promise you, if you'll seek and trust the Lord, he'll do great work. Now, listen, I I, I just want to kind of finish with this idea because I know there are always people here, especially people that are home, maybe tuning in for the first time. We're glad you did that. Welcome. But if you've been sitting here kind of listening to this and and hearing about Christ and hear about contentment and you're you're kind of tracking along until we get to the secret that's really about Jesus, you were hoping for like a 12-step program and it's really just about Jesus. Let me just tell you, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I'd love for this to be the day. So if you're in here right now and maybe you've kind of been a believer for a long time, you've been a Christian for a number of years, praise God for that. You need to be praying for the people that aren't. But if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never spent any real time understanding who Jesus is, thinking about your sin, thinking about how you need to turn from your sin to Christ, I would love to share that with you here in just a few minutes. Or we're going to have this time of invitation and our worship team is going to come out and pray. And, and the reason we do an invitation is to give you an opportunity to respond. And so maybe you want to come down here and spend a few minutes praying. Maybe you need to be praying about contentment. Or maybe it's something in your life that you understand. Listen, I found contentment in this instead of the Lord. Maybe you need to kind of give that to the Lord before you leave. Maybe there's somebody in your life that's struggling. You need to pray for that person. Maybe there's a marriage you know of that needs prayer. The people that are believers, that are strong in their faith, ought to be praying for those other people. But if you're the person that says, listen, I've never really received Christ. I've come to church a lot. I've heard about him. But I can't say that I've got an actual, true relationship with Jesus. Just come down front. Just find the strength. Just to stand up, find the courage, just to walk down, come stand by the front. I'll meet you at the side if you want to talk. I'd love to share with you about who Jesus is and all he can do for your life. God's got a great plan for you. He wants to use you. He wants you to find joy in him. We've got to trust him. We've got to live for him. And when we do, God does great things. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this clear teaching of Scripture. Father, we thank you for the letter that Paul wrote. We thank you for all you've shown us. Father, this idea of contentment, trusting you, living for you. Father, I just pray that we would walk out of here today changed because of this truth. Understanding the process. Father, understanding we can be content in all situations when we trust in Jesus. And so if there's somebody here this morning, Lord, that's never done that, I pray you'd open their eyes. Help them understand the truth the need they have for a Savior. Father, help them give their hearts and their minds to you today, repent of their sins. And Father, we pray that you would just work through us, do great things, and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.